Hello, Colorado. This is John Baird with I Love Colorado Beer podcast. I Love Colorado Beer is your home for behind-the-scenes interviews and information from the wonderful world of craft breweries in Colorado, along with craft beer news and events and festivals. And don't forget about I Love Colorado Beer's great beer gear, including t-shirts, koozie sweatshirts, hats, and much more. Just go to ilovecoloradobeer.com. Today on our show, we have Eric Briggs and Seth Townsend from Liquid Mechanics Brewing. Eric and Seth are co-founders, along with Davin Heldon, who I interviewed at the Wintercraft Beer Festival. To find that interview, just go to our website and click on the Brew Views tab. It's under the Wintercraft Beer Festival. And now, on to the interview. Okay, so I'm here with Eric Briggs and Seth Townsend from Liquid Mechanics. Um, would you guys tell me a little bit about how the idea for Liquid Mechanics uh, came to being? Sure. Um, well, myself being a homebrew, this is Seth speaking. Um, you know, it's always kind of been a passion and a dream to open something big. And I had, had talked to a couple other business partners years and years and years ago. Nothing ever really came to fruition. Um, we all, the three current owners of Liquid Mechanics, we all came from Amgen, and um, we all left Amgen about three and a half years ago um, and ended up at the same company kind of by happenstance uh, down in Broomfield, Sandoz, a generic bar- pharmaceutical manufacturer. And I think we were all kind of just tired of the game. Er, came to Davin and myself and basically said, what's it going to take to uh, to get us to leave and, and open up a brewery? And I was like, hey, that sounds awesome. I've been thinking about that for years. So um, after several lunch meetings and um, a lot of uh, brewery research at local breweries, uh, we put together a business plan. Davin uh, was responsible for most of the content of that, writing it. Um, he also developed a, a five-year financial model, and we uh, shopped it around to local banks and um they, one of them bit, and uh, after many months of planning and going back and forth, uh, here we are. Awesome, awesome. So does Davin actually ride his bike into work? Uh, no. no. <laughs> he Davin. lives in Berthet. He's got a haul. <laughs> yeah. So who was it that said they wanted to be able to ride their bike Oh, that was work? me. Oh, yeah. okay, all right. Yeah. So, all right sorry. Seth's original uh, comment was that he wanted to be able to uh, ride his bike to work and make the same amount of money. And I think my response was, start with riding your bike to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. So would you guys tell me a little bit about the uh, idea for the name behind Liquid Mechanics? I know you guys went through three different options, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we landed on Liquid Mechanics. It's our third, uh, third choice. Um, first one we had out there was uh, Bone Shaker. Uh, there was a uh, Zinfandel, I think, that had that same name. There was also a beer in Canada or something, so we just dropped it. Didn't even pursue it. And then our second name was uh, uh, Barking Iron, and we actually had an LLC titled Barking Iron. And within about a month of filing that, we got a cease and desist order from an apparel company up in New York State called Barking Irons. And uh, they held the trademark for, I think it was for apparel and alcohol except for beer. Right. Something really obscure. Um, we went to our attorney. She said, hey, you guys got out cheap. You don't have anything invested in this pick another name. So um, by that time, we we were kind of desperate because we were getting closer to our opening date, 
and really needed an identity. And we've been working with a guy named Josh Emmerich uh, for our branding for quite some time. And uh, we've kind of threw our hands in the air and said, Josh, we need help. So Josh helped us out. We really like it. Uh, mm -hmm. It rings true to uh, kind of the three owners and our passions in life, uh, mainly being beer, of course, but uh, the mechanics piece, you know, where we all like to uh, play with things. Uh, mechanical set, of course, has played with beer for a long time. Gavin has uh, a couple of hot rods, a couple of motorcycles. So it fits really well. We're really happy with it. So what were some of the uh, challenges that you guys experienced when you were opening your brew house? The first one I told you about earlier was the uh, mainly the delay in uh, brew house delivery. Um, we, we chose our manufacturer based off of a commitment date to deliver, and uh, they were off by, I think, four or five weeks. And when you're starting up a business, hemorrhaging cash late in the project, um, uh, a one-month delay could be catastrophic. We were, we were lucky enough um, that it did not, uh, didn't hurt us too bad. Right. I think it delayed the opening by... Two, two or three weeks. Yeah. yeah, it seems like that would be very significant, you know, bumping back the timeline for yeah. delivery of your brew house a month. Especially when we're timing the opening in, in the peak of summer. Um, you know, the, the revenues that we lost because of that were, were pretty substantial. So, Seth, how did you get to be the uh, chief yeast manipulator? Oh, that's a real long story, but I'll, I'll cut it short for you. Um, I'm the only one that brews, so... <laughs> Um, you know, and we're, we're coming up with our business cards. Um, we, coming from a very highly regulated industry in the past, felt like we wanted to kind of express ourselves a little bit. And uh, we all came up with very fun um, names that represent what we do on a, on a daily basis. And um, I manipulate yeast every day. So I'm the chief yeast manipulator and lead instigator, I think. <laughs> So, since he's not here, we can kind of pick on him a little bit. But yeah. tell me a little bit about Davin's band that he was in. Which I, one was it? Do you remember what he called it? I don't remember what he called it. The, the thing that I know is that they were really good. They won Battle of the Bands in Denver um, and were supposed to play, uh, to open for Sammy Hagar in Cabo Wabo, Mexico. Oh, that's big. Yeah. No, they were really good. He's never um, brought in any demos or or... <laughs> strung any riffs for us but uh yeah they were they were really good and it happened to land on their wedding date or something so they ended up not uh being able to play wow <laughs> um so seth would you tell me a little bit about your homebrewing side and how you mm -hmm. started as a homebrewer yeah so back in college i went to school in southern california in a, a small school out there and um our roommates and myself would sit around and play caps with keystone light and and natural light and ice house or whatever that was called back in the day. And, uh, we all, we all left, uh, school that, that early that summer and came back and we all had kind of discovered beer in our local areas. Um, a buddy was from Northern California, came back, he's like, I've been drinking Anchor Steam. I was in Arizona and actually Breckenridge Brewery was distributing at the time and I'm like, oh, I've been drinking Breckenridge Amber Ale. And another buddy from San Diego is like, oh, I found this cool place. It's, they make beer and they serve food. It's called Pizza Port. And so we all came back and started drinking, you know, Sierra Nevada and, and uh, Anchor and all the big guys at the time, Anderson Valley. And it wasn't until probably our senior year, or shortly after our senior year, that um, we all discovered that we could make beer at home. 
you know, this is back in probably 1995, and uh, these homebrew shops are starting to kind of pop up in the areas, and being a very kind of scientific guy, and, you know, all of us come from a science background, um, and I like to cook, it just meld really well with, with my lifestyle. So I started homebrewing probably 96, 97, and um, through the years never really got into uh, competitions until I moved out to Colorado. Um, they just seemed to be a lot more going on out here. And uh, the last, I think 2011 um, was when I was really starting to think about opening uh, a brewery. And I wanted to be able to brew on a commercial system. So I started just hitting all the, the Pro-Am competitions that I could. Uh, entered one that Ska was sponsoring and ended up winning it. So I went out there and brewed uh, the beer that I had entered to win. It was a Belgian-style double, and we called it uh, Seth Vlederen, after a famous uh, abbey in uh, Belgium. And um, got to brew with those guys. They're super cool people, and that's when it kind of sealed the deal. Like, this is what I want to do. That's awesome. So do you remember the first beer that you ever brewed? Yeah, it was a porter. My buddy Dave and I were brewing it on his mom's uh, like induction range stove, you know, glass countertop thing. And, uh, of course, it boiled over, and she freaked out. And, like, at the end of the boil, we were like, what can we do to make this kind of fun? So we grabbed the Hershey's cocoa powder from the kitchen and just dumped it in there. Didn't have a way to chill it, so we threw it in his pool, and it probably took, like, 14 hours to cool down. And the beer was actually, like, drinkable. It wasn't swill, um, and it wasn't infected, which it probably should have been, like, eight times over. But, yeah, so it was chocolate porter. It wasn't too bad? I wouldn't say it wasn't too bad. It was drinkable. <laughs> it was a significant investment at that time. You had to yeah. drink it. Yeah. So would you describe to me a little bit about the system that you were you brewed on then and also how you uh -huh. progressed from that system to your current system? Yeah. So, I mean, in the beginning, just like anyone else, I just had a pot and I did everything on my stove. Um, I would boil basically like a concentrate dump it into your fermenter, agitate as much as you could through the dumping, top it off with cold water, and let it rip. By the time, uh, you know, we had started uh, talking about this, I had moved up, you know, to all grain, doing uh, full sparge, um, full boil, 10-gallon, and uh, splitting the 10-gallon beer into two fermenters, playing with yeast, seeing how the yeast um, affects the, the outcome of your beer and really starting to kind of hone in on some recipes that we could scale up here. Excellent. So from standing here, it looks like you guys have a 10-barrel gas-fired DME from Nova Scotia and a 20-barrel uh, hot liquor tank, three 10-barrel fermenters, and mm -hmm. six 10-barrel uh, bright-slash-serving tanks. Mm -hmm. um, you're looking to get probably a 20-barrel fermenter and a 20-barrel uh, bright tank. Is that right? We, yeah, we were looking at that. I think uh, because of the... Uh, the fact that we like to pump out a lot of variety, I think we're just looking at additional uh, two fermenters and probably another 20 or 30 uh, kegs um, to kind of meet the demand of that. So tell me about the Ruby Street system you guys have and what you use that for. Yeah, so we have a one-barrel, 42-gallon uh, system, like 31 working. Uh, we got two one-barrel fermenters um, that are not hooked up to our glycol system, so it's all ambient. The Ruby, we, we've loved it. We've played around um, before we opened um, with some recipes. The first Kolsch came off that. Chipotle lime Kolsch came off of that. Um, we use it for playing around with just 
kind of crazy um, one-off beers. Um, you know, if, if you come in, you'll notice that a lot of our beers are just kind of classic styles, and we use that system to kind of tweak those a little bit and play around and, and make them a little bit more uh, exciting. Yeah, I noticed you guys have um, on your uh, tap list, you have uh, several beers that are in a small batch mm -hmm. listing. Is that what yeah. they use That's what there? that is, yeah. Okay. We, we don't call it a pilot because for our TTB license, it's a, a different thing. But um, we, we mainly just play around. Um, the beers may or may not get scaled up. Our Cascadian Dark Ale came off of the one barrel. We ended up scaling that up, and it was a, a huge hit in the fall, early winter last year. So what styles of beer would you guys say that you're most known for? Uh, Eric is our sales dude, so I'll let him know. <laughs> That's a great question. I would say here in the tap room, uh, the, the best-selling styles that we have right now are IPA and uh, our Kolsch. Um, the alt beer sells really well here. It's also a really good seller out of accounts. Um, our Saison sells really well. Um, the Imperial Porter, Imperial Porter is uh, a great seller, and we play with the Imperial Porter. We also do a peanut butter porter, uh, which, which goes really fast because we only do that in a one-barrel uh, capacity, and uh, they sell really well. Uh, we've got about three beers right now that sell incredibly fast, so we don't have just one. Uh, we got about three that uh, are competing for time in our brew house. Yeah, we, we kept waiting for a, a clear outseller. And really, it's like there's four beers that just crank through our system. So we don't really have like a, uh, if, we, if we were to call it like a flagship, there's uh, four. Right. Yeah. Uh, would you tell me about a beer that sort of surprised you as far as sales? Like maybe you didn't expect it to sell that well or surprised you as far as the flavors you got out of it or something like that? You know, I'd say um, coming out of the gates, uh, we brewed a traditional Bavarian Hefeweizen. Um, we, we stressed the yeast, we fermented cool to really enhance the banana flavor as, a, uh, as opposed to the, the clovey phenolics. And, um, there were so many people that came into this tap room and said, I've been to Germany, I've had Bavarian Hefeweizen, and this takes me right back there. And, you know, as a brewer, that's the highest compliment that you, that you can get. So between, between that, the Kolsch gets very similar comments. Like, I've been to Cologne. Like, this beer just exudes Cologne. So That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, when you can take somebody back to that uh, that experience that they mm -hmm. had in the country, that's, that's right. amazing. Um, what about any uh, difficulties? Have you guys had any difficulties with any beers specifically? Just one. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's a great story. Um, so we brewed a, a fresh hop beer with uh, hops from the Western Slope, uh, Rising Sun Farms, and um, I kind of underestimated the, the sheer volume that the hops would comprise. So, you know, the week prior, I bought these big nylon uh, mesh bags that we could stuff full of hops, and they're about as big as a person. I'm like, I got two of those. That'll be fine. We'll throw them in at the end of the boil, let them sit in the whirlpool. Um, didn't quite work out that way. Uh, so we basically... Thankfully, we had the Ruby system. Um, we converted one of the, uh, the, basically the mash tin on that to be a hop back. So we packed that thing full of the, the leftover hops that we had, ran our wort through that before it went to the chiller, and uh, sent it to the fermenter. Um, so that was just like, you know, the years of us working at Amgen and like critical thinking, thinking on the fly, being creative with what we had. 
um, saved us. Saved us, literally. So, how many beers do you guys usually keep on tap at all times? It's a tough one to answer. We, uh, our goal is to someday to get to 12, as high as 16. I think we average about eight beers on tap right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are those, those your regulars or are those seasonals? Uh, we have about, we have exactly five, uh, what we call classics, beers that we try to have on tap all the time. And then the rest are comprised of small batch beers, barrel aged beers, uh, seasonal beers, um, however many we can crank out in order to maximize tap handles. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your uh, tap room and how you guys cater to either families or pet owners or, you know, any specific group like that. So we have a, uh, a really nice tap room. Uh, it's, it's, we're right on a, a really busy street corner, right on the southwest corner of uh, Highway 287 and Baseline. Um, we've got some very nice architectural detail. We've worked with uh, a great architect. We have pallets hanging from our ceiling. We have uh, homemade lights, like literally light fixtures that we manufactured, including a chandelier that sits up in the corner over a stage. Um, it's a beautiful tap room. We have uh, we also have a patio on the east side of the building, so we get lots of families out there. Summertime is, is wonderful. I wouldn't say that we necessarily cater to any one group. Um, our average age is probably late 30s, early 40s, but we still get a lot of people who are, are younger than that, as well as people who are older than that on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So what's you guys' uh, future vision? Where do you guys hope to go when you expand your brewery? So it's written into our business plan that uh, we'll get into bombers first. From bombers, we go into canning. Um, in about year two, we get into cans. Um, basically, the sky's the limit. So it's written into our plan to, to expand. Whether we do that here at this location or off-site or mm-hmm. through a contract manufacturer, mm-hmm. only time will tell exactly how that rolls out. Yeah, we're one of the few breweries in Colorado, at least, that um, convinced the, the city that they're moving into to allow us to work from a retail location. Um, and because of that, the city uh, you know, imposed a few limitations on production, how much beer can leave and be sold off-site, because they didn't want... Um, you know, a commercial brewery with, you know, big trucks with forklifts rolling in and out in a retail location. So, um, you know, at the point where we are maxed out here, we would be looking for an offsite production facility, um, somewhere in, in the close radius of where we are now. So what is you guys' um, market share? Where do you guys distribute to as far as where can people find your beer? Yeah. So uh, we focus primarily in the local area. We've got a few accounts in Louisville, uh, places like uh, Lucky Pie, um, Lulu's, Law Revolution. Um, here in Lafayette, we're in Miller's Barbecue. Um, we, we ventured up into Longmont a little bit. Uh, we wanted to, uh, to get more accounts in Longmont. So right now we're at Cycle Hops. Uh, we also go as far north right now as Lions. Uh, the Lions Fork has our beer. Uh, we go as far south right now as uh, Colorado Plus. Um, we also have uh, beer on tap at the Colorado Keg House uh, there in Broomfield, um, Arvada, Texas Roadhouse. Pretty much working in 287 is kind of the, the main stretch. We, we went out to Aurora to uh, Peak to Peak Tap Room. Um, that's been a pretty good deal for us. Gets us some exposure from uh, way outside of our our initial uh, domain, but the primary strategy is local. Nice. Well, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you guys think that uh, your customers and our listeners might be interested in uh, hearing about from you guys? It's a great question. It's a fun place to be. We do, uh, yeah. 
We do trivia Wednesday nights. You know, trivia is very common in breweries. We, uh, we actually built this place with music in mind, so we have a stage. Uh, we have live acts uh, every Friday, Saturday night. It's a real fun place to be. Awesome. Well, we have one more series of questions for you guys. This is called the lightning round. Um, and this is, uh, th- yeah, exactly. This section is designed to be as completed, completed as quickly as possible. And yes, it is ranked for all the breweries in Colorado. And annually, we will give out a prize for the brewer that completes this section in the fastest time. Okay. Uh, first off, I just want to clarify for our listeners, you guys have not seen these questions beforehand. Have you don't not. know what I'm about to ask you, is that I have correct? No clue. I have butterflies in my tummy. As well you should. <laughs> They're very difficult oh. questions. Um, all right, are you guys ready? Do we ready. just both yell out? Yeah, yeah. So since okay. we have two of you, you guys can just answer at will. Okay. Okay. All right. What was the most difficult beer that you've ever made and why? Uh, that would be the wet hopped red because of the blunder of yeah. wet hopping. Do you prefer bottles or cans? Cans. Cans. Uh, why, what is your favorite beer in the whole world? Kolsch. <laughs> and, uh, what is your favorite brewery in the whole world? Oh, Bagby Beer. <laughs> and what's your favorite, uh, brewer in the whole world? Seth Townsend. Great answer, Eric. Yeah, that was a very good answer, I gotta say. I gotta say, yeah. Um, what is more fun, home brewing or commercial brewing? Commercial. Yeah, why is commercial brewing more fun? Because I get immediate response from people sitting in my tap room. How frequently does liquid mechanics have to kick somebody out because they're too drunk? Rarely. Rarely, if ever? Okay, good. Um, would you define the word coopetition for me? Sure. Brewery's working together to gain market share. That's a collaborative fashion. That's a great word. I love that. <laughs> um, what is so great about beer? Tastes great. Less filling. <laughs> in the song, Bottles of Beer on the Wall, what comes after 57 bottles of beer on the wall? 58. Four, 56. Oh, you're counting down. Yeah. I, I 56. Think I think it's actually 57 bottles of beer on the wall, 57 bottles of beer. And then it's 56 bottles okay. of beer in the wall. Yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. In the movie Strange Brew, what does, do Bob and Doug claim to have found in a beer? Mouse. Ah, oh, very good answer. Good job. All right, so you guys got a minute and 30 seconds. Yeah, but you had a lot of pauses. I did. All right, so I'll take off like 15 <laughs> seconds for my, my interjections there. All right, so that's a minute and 15 seconds. All right, we'll be at a minute and eight by the time yeah. you're done. <laughs> um, so where can our uh, listeners find you guys? Uh, right here, southwest corner of 287 and Baseline, as well as uh, online, liquidmechanicsbrewing.com, also on Facebook. And uh, local local bars and restaurants. Awesome. Well, I'd like to thank again Eric and uh, Seth for being here and being on our podcast no show. No problem. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, John. Great talking. Well, thanks again to Eric and Seth with Liquid Mechanics. They have a wonderful tap room with plenty of flat screen TVs to watch any sporting event. They treated me to their Wee Rouchy, which was their collaboration with Grim Brothers Brewing for Collaboration Fest. It was a lightly smoked strong ale with very similar flavors to a Scottish Wee Heavy, and it was delicious. Go check them out. And thank you, Colorado. And don't forget to check out our beer gear at www.ilovecoloradobeer.com. And like us on Facebook, but be sure to get the real I Love Colorado Beer Facebook page. It's the one for food and beverages, not the one for web pages. Also, follow us on the Google+. Plus. If you do, we will keep you posted as to where we are headed next.
But if you would like to find out the story behind any specific brewery, just let me know. My email is john, that's J-O-N, at ilovecoloradobeer.com.